This morning, we turn uh, way back to an ancient story, the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, I want to set the stage a little bit. This is after Noah's Ark. The, the Ark has landed on the mountain, and Noah and his family came out. The, all the animals, all the bugs, all the creepy crawly things came out, and the children of Noah are trying to make their way in the world. Now, one of Noah's son was Ham, and you think his, he would have named his son Chip Tam. That's my dad joke for the day. But it was worse than that. He named one of his son Put. I don't know. Was, times were different back then. But the children of Noah are trying to make their way in the land, and they uh, find a plain, and there they start. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The Tower of Babel. I can't hear that word without remembering what the teachers called me in school, babbling brooks. I don't know it's because I talk so much or they couldn't understand anything I was saying. You know, we still say that sometimes. Stop your babbling. What is it you want? Don't keep babbling on and on and on. I can't really remember the story of the Tower of Babel from Sunday school. I, I remember Noah's Ark. I remember Adam and Eve, Jesus walking on the water, surely Christmas and Easter. But if we touched on this story, I didn't really remember it. I read it more when I was older. And I have to confess, the first time I read it, I was angry. I thought, that is completely unfair. Here are the people trying to, to make a name for themselves. And God comes down and confuses their language. I mean, these are the children of Noah. Noah was a builder. Can we fault them for building a city, building a tower? Picture growing up with Noah as your father, the man who saved the whole world. Try living up to that. Here they were just trying to make a name for themselves, make, make their own way in the world. And they start to build a city. Then they start to build this tower up to the heavens. But when God sees it, he says, if 
they as one people speaking one language can begin to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible. Let us go down. If you read back in the Bible, God refers to himself. God refers to God's self as plural. We have come to know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, let us go down and confuse their language and scatter them over the whole earth. It just seemed unfair to me. They no longer could speak one speech no longer had a common language to begin to work together. This sermon started because one morning, what I do in the mornings is I flip between all of the news stations. If Cheryl's in the room, she hates it. But I go all the way from Fox to MSNBC. I just sort of want to see what all the world is, is saying. And I was flipping by and suddenly someone was talking about the Tower of Babel. And I'm like, what? wait a minute, they don't talk about Bible stories on this show. And it was someone who had written an article for the Atlantic magazine. And he was talking about where our country is today. And he said the only analogy he could come up with was the Tower of Babel story, where God came down and confused the people's language so they no longer were a people of a common speech. He said, that's where we find ourselves in America today. And I thought, yeah, that, that is true, that we're, we're in buckets. We're in a red bucket or a blue bucket. We, we tend not to watch different news stations, but just one news station. And he was saying that it's not God that's confusing our language. He's almost saying, this time we did it to ourselves but that, that media and social media are putting us in these groups that no longer speak a common language. If you think about it, after God confused the people's language, they would have scattered in groups. And once they were in one group, they would have only heard one language. That's all they would know, not the other languages at all. And that sort of what's happening or what has happened in our country, that we're in these buckets and we only hear one language, that there's this, this friend out there that when we like something on social media, it sends us more and more of the same thing, and that's all we, that's all we hear. We can't even speak the same language sometimes. Happened to me this week, uh, Pastor Ty was talking about a personality test and she was saying how fun it might be for the staff to take it to see how different we are. And I thought, well, I, I like being a guinea pig. So I went on, I don't know what it is, an enigram, any, I can't even say it or pronounce it because I'm old. But I, I had got somewhere and it was a book and it was about that. I said, oh, I'll click on this and, and take the test. So I started to take the test and I'm going through the questions and let me tell you, I'm doing good. I'm acing it. Um, I don't know if it's a test to see if you have a personality or what type of personality you have. But then I got to one question. It says, do you trust your ride-or-die friends? I had no idea what ride-or-die friends were. So I had to ask our business manager who's in her 20s, what's a ride-or-die friend? And then she, she, she explained it to me. I said, okay, okay, I'll keep going. The next question is, do you seek Social Security? And I'm like, someday I hope to, yes. And then I was... 
I was pretty much done. And then I had to confess to Pastor Ty. I said, well, you know, what I took, I don't think it was the right test because I'm old and I clicked on the first thing. You know, when you're old, you just click on the first thing that comes up and it's usually not the right thing to click on. I, I was confused by the language. I, I didn't even speak the same speech. So this is where we, we find ourselves today, that we or something or all of us has confused and muddled our language so we no longer even speak the same language. And you probably have felt this at times that you can't even start a conversation with somebody. You can't agree on one fact that then you might disagree on from there. Or maybe there's somebody in the last couple of years that you really used to be able to talk to that you just can't, you just can't talk to anymore. Or maybe you fear going to Thanksgiving or family gatherings because Uncle Joe's going to bring up politics and it's going to go bad. This is where we find ourselves. So fortunately, God didn't leave me there because after reading that article and after reading this story, I, I stumbled upon a book. Same thing on Sunday morning, I was going between the news stations and one of the stations was talking about Andy Stanley. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's a Christian author. Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley. And he's written a new book called Not In It To Win It. He's really stepping out and he's doing some good work about where the church should find itself in this land of confused languages. He says, so often the church is choosing sides, going in the red or the blue bucket, all in, or, or part of the church is going in this bucket and part in that bucket. And he's trying to find how the church has navigated something like this before, how the church can follow Jesus and he goes all the way back to that night, that night where Jesus sat at the table with his disciples, that night when Jesus was arrested and, and, and uh, he was betrayed and he was arrested and then led all the way to the cross. The, the night that for the world, it looked like everything began to go wrong. That to the world, it looked like Jesus had lost death on a cross. And he says on that night, Jesus said to his friends, to his followers, I give you a new commandment to love one another. And he not only told them to love one another, he told them how. He says, you are to love one another as I have loved you. And then Andy Stanley has a great sense of humor. He says, picture that night when Jesus said, you are to love one another. Picture Caiaphas in his, his great castle and Pilate in his great fortress, just shaking in their boots, scared. You better watch out. You better leave town. They're going to love one another. Surely the world was not afraid of this small group that decided to love one another. What could, what could come of that? Jesus lost. But we as Christians know that when all the world thought Jesus was losing, he began to win. He began to win the whole world over. And Andy Stanley tells the story how from that night, from that small group of disciples and followers of Jesus into the next generation of Paul and Priscilla and Silas, that they changed the whole world. 
Within 300 years, the Roman Empire was all Christian, following Jesus. That somehow this group that seemed to all the world had lost was going to win in the end. That somehow loving one another as Jesus had loved us changed the whole world. Can we do the same He's challenging us. Can we in this world that's so polarized, that's red or blue, and this world that can't agree on anything to even begin a conversation, this world that has its language confused, that's no longer a people of one speech, can we speak and live love? Can it transform the world, the whole world, once again? I have to admit, the, the Father's Day video, Chad picked, picked this one, and I have an attention deficit, so he said, take a look at that, and I didn't watch it all the way through. Chad, Chad knew I was not going to watch it all the way through, and I said, I don't know, Chad, it seems edgy, you know, because it begins with that confrontation, and I, I said, you know, we have so much of that in the world. Doesn't it seem like we're just on simmer, and it just doesn't take much to boil over, that the whole world seems at each other. I said, I, I don't know about that. And, Jesus, I, and, and Chad said, don't worry. It ends okay. And then I went back and watched the whole thing. And did you notice in that room of gruff men, when they're at each other, you know, it's dad jokes and stuff, but they're, they're battling as a dad off. And then one says, I love you, and it changes everything. And when they start to say, I'm proud of you, you can do hard things. I thank God for you every time I get down on my knees. And these are hard things for dads to say sometimes. The whole room is transformed. And the gruff, big, strong men begin to shed a tear because the language has changed. Can we as the church, can we as Christians today do the whole thing? Can we not take sides? Can we not find ourselves just in a bucket that won't speak the language of other people? Can we love one another the way Jesus loved us? Maybe you know somebody that you really can't talk to anymore, and maybe you can step out and try to have a conversation, maybe steer away from certain issues, but not see them as this, this bundle of politics or opinions, but see them as this person, this person that God loves. Or maybe you really want to challenge and you can pick up Andy Stanley's book, Not In It to Win It. It's not a beach read. It's not easy because it's really, no matter what bucket you're in, it's really challenging to find a, a third way, a way of love in the midst of turmoil. And I'm not saying that we don't have disagreements in this country. We do. And they're, they're on very fundamental things, either in the country and even in the United Methodist denomination. It's not that we don't have disagreements. But if we don't have a common language, how do we ever get out of this? How do we ever move forward? Andy Stanley and I believe the way forward is the language of love, not the language of confrontation, not the language of hate, not the language of separation. 
because Jesus and the followers of Jesus did it once before. They changed the whole world from top to bottom. Can we in our day love one another the way Jesus loved us and transform the world in the name of Jesus Christ? Amen.